there's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with Call She. Maybe you have a thought on TikTok. Will Congress ban it? Or won't they? Will Taylor Swift's album be album of the year? What about Biden's approval rating or inflation? And a whole lot more. You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. $20 bonus if you go to callshe.com slash follow the money spelled K-A-L-S-H-I and deposit $50. There is no guarantee of performance and an investor could lose their entire investment, including fees. iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at callshe.com. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Follow the money. That's what I always say. You always follow yeah, the money. Yeah. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on VSEN. We are off and running on a President's Day weekend. Hope all of you are enjoying a three-day weekend and maybe some decent weather wherever you may be on this Monday morning. Tim Murray sitting in for the gentleman this week as they continue a little vacay post-Super Bowl. So in for Mitch and Paul this morning. Actually, all week as well. Uh, I won't be rolling solo all week. But here we are on a Monday morning, fresh off of a uh, called a weekend. Not a great weekend, but a fine weekend. We had a whole lot unfolding in front of us. We had the Daytona 500. We had the All-Star game late last night. We had some interesting college basketball. Not a a, a, a massive college hoops weekend, but still some things that unfolded in front of us. And uh, Kansas, quite the performance that we saw from them at Fall Gallon Fieldhouse, just absolutely dominating Baylor in the second half NFL news coming and going. So a lot to get to here on a Monday morning. You could tweet me at one Tim Murray. We will, uh, we'll have some fun on a president's day Monday here, holiday weekend. Some of those folks on the East coast might be taking, uh, might have the kids off all week. So uh, if you need a little escape, that's fine. We will, we will be here uh, with you. A couple guests so far scheduled uh, and maybe a couple other folks to, uh, to drop on by Aaron Nagler, who is the co-founder of uh, Cheesehead Cheesehead TV, man who knows a thing or two about the Packers and has covered that franchise for quite some time. I don't know, I have not confirmed nor denied, uh, whether or not he is uh, in the darkness with Aaron Rodgers, but he will join us at 8.30 Eastern. Seth Greenberg, ESPN college basketball analyst, his thoughts on the weekend that was and a Big-time showdown tonight in the Big 12 with TCU. I want to get to them here uh, in just a little bit, taking on Kansas uh, in Fort Worth tonight. TCU, you saw over the weekend some of their futures odds drop 
some shops were very quick to adjust on their performance uh, that the uh, that the Horn Frogs had against Oklahoma State this weekend, putting up a hundy spot with Mike Miles Jr. returning to action for TCU, but also some just kind of lagging. So we'll uh, we'll get to TCU and the legitimacy of them making a run in March, which I know a lot of people expecting. Hey, it's a it's a wide open field, maybe. I think there's a good chance. Also, we will talk some NBA. Jonathan Von Tobel will join us later on in the show. And like I said, a couple people might uh, might stop on through. We'll see how the show, uh, see how it all plays out. But we did have the All-Star game last night. And I, let's say a, a show of hands. Did you bet the All-Star game? Did you bet some player props? Did you bet the total? Did you watch the draft unfold the way that it did and say, oh, I got to lay it? With Team LeBron. Team LeBron, I believe, was undefeated against Team Giannis since this uh, new format. I believe it was 5-0 and against Team Giannis, or Team LeBron was 5-0. and I guess he hadn't always gone up against Team Giannis. I think it was early on, I want to say it was versus Kevin Durant. But uh, GM LeBron did not get the victory last night as it was uh, Team Giannis. 184-175. to The thing I want to point out here. Should we every year blindly bet the over in the All-Star game? So the total last night closed at 323 and a half. Some 324s out there. That is a whole heck of a lot of points, right? That is with a two and a half point spread. That is the book saying we think this game is going to be 163 to 160 around in that ballpark. So I Went around, I'm like, okay, is this just an easy, no-brainer bet? Oddly enough, last year, it was an under. Now, it was very close. Remember, you have the uh, the Elam's ending there at the end of the game where they uh, hit a point in the, uh, in the game. Then they say there's X amount of points that need to be scored, which is what unfolded last night. But should we just bet it blindly? So last year it goes under, but the last, if you include last night, the last 14 All-Star games have gone over the total. And last night was was certainly not a sweat. 184 to 175, what is that, 359 points. So not really much of a sweat last night if you played the over. That would be, I'll be honest, and there are player plop, props if anyone's out there who bet Jason Tatum. Congratulations on uh, on him to win the MVP. That was a, a nice cash. I think different books were out there. I think Bet Rivers. I saw ten to one uh, had Jason Tatum cashing the uh, the MVP last night. So that was a nice one. And we'll hit on all of the uh, the big hits of the week w- weekend and win some, lose some uh, coming up in our next segment. But that would be honestly the only thing I could personally bet on in the All Star game. And now look, there might be people out there who can handicap this All Star game. With the best of them. But I, and I'm not going to be the guy who's going to complain about the All-Star game because I think we all know what they are at this point. There were different players last night saying it's, you know, it's not basketball. I think uh, Coach Malone of the uh, of the Nuggets said it was the worst basketball game he had ever seen. But that's what we've kind of come to know, right? Look at every All-Star game. What All-Star game is a quality product? Baseball? Yeah, I think you could say that. 
But even there's frustrations in that where, you know, the X players aren't playing as long. And then you've got, you know, guys from the Pirates and the Nationals playing late in the innings. So baseball, you can't really mess up all that much. Football, we don't even know what it is anymore. I actually think it's kind of interesting now with the with the flag football, you know, game because it had become a glorified flag football game. And now we've just said, you know what, just make it a flag football game. And it seemed like year one, it kind of worked out. So I, I don't know. I Every year I feel like we wake up, it's kind of this weird part of the schedule in the sports calendar, and people start complaining about, oh, you know, this All-Star game is an abomination. It is every year. It always has. It hasn't, always hasn't been, but it's been this way for a long time. LeBron, a little bit nicked up, checks himself out after halftime. Giannis dealing with a wrist injury, checks himself after 15 seconds or whatever it was, scores the first basket of the game, and then checks himself out a la, I think it was Chris Paul last year. I think you have to know what you're getting into with these all-star games. And that's and that's fine. When it comes to a betting aspect, totals seem to be the only way to go because next year, and if we talk to an odds maker this week, I would be very curious to hear how they will go about setting the proper total. So the total once again closed one uh, 323 and a half which is astronomical, which I believe was the second highest. I think last year might have been just a little bit higher. I think I saw 325 was the total last year, so just a little bit under. But 323.5. Once again, with a spread of 2.5, that's the books telling you, yeah, it's around 163, 160. 163, 161. The final was 184-175. You had 99 points in the first half, by one uh, by Team Giannis in the first half. You had Jason Tatum dropping 55 points. But all in all, come on, folks. You're really getting upset about this? Just don't watch it. You know what I did last night? I'll be honest. I had Washington State last night, so I was watching, I was watching Washington State, Oregon. Much, much more uh, invigorating there. By the way, Coog's got it done. Bad loss for Oregon, but uh, Washington State took, took care of business. There are other things to be done than watching the All-Star game. UNLV and Boise State last night. Rebs got the cover, but uh, Boise State, an important win for them and their, uh, their at-large hopes. So I don't, I know I, we, I can't avoid it, but can we, not, uh, can we not get all fired up about the All-Star game? I think more importantly, the stretch run after here, this All-Star game, and what teams are going to make that run, most notably, are the Lakers going to make the playoffs? You know, you look at the Eastern Conference. Bucks ended the, uh, the first half of the season red hot. They won uh, over the Celtics, albeit without Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown playing in that game. But the Bucks right on the Celtics' heels. Could the Celtics, or excuse me, could the Bucks ultimately grab that number one seed from the Celtics? I mean, I think those are the more interesting discussions than wasting our time getting mad and yelling at a cloud that the all-star game stunk yeah it stunk for a long time as has the pro bowl as has hockey's all-star game which they had to tweak it's becoming what is i mean i don't even know if that's made for tv uh type of uh programming but i think i mean the way it's gonna go honestly guys moving forward is 
miking up players like we saw last night, which had its ups and downs. You know, the draft before the game. These are the type of things that are that we're going to look at. And then when it comes to a betting side of things, I don't know how you could just say, yeah, let's, I've handicapped it and it's going to be Team LeBron. And up until last night, I guess that had worked out for you, but the total uh, might be the way to go if, you, uh, if you're Jones in for action. Or, you know, if you want to uh, ultimately just uh, take a look at uh, some college basketball like Washington State last night. Home dog or home uh, slight favorite against Oregon. Wasn't the prettiest, but uh, they were able to get there. So we got a lot going on uh, as the show goes on here on, uh, on Follow the Money. Uh, we'll be with you throughout the morning here. So we will be talking uh, a lot uh, that unfolded this weekend here with some wins, some lose, some, some interesting NFL things that uh, unfolded. So, folks, as basketball and hockey con- uh, seasons continue, Bet Online's Rivers Sportsbook is the place to be. Bet Rivers has uh, you covered for every line, odd, and boost. Join us every week for new promotions like our Tuesday Hockey First Goal Insurance, Saturday Hockey Same Game Parlay Bet. Weekly pro basketball bet in, get, and more. Check out betrivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app. It's a whole new game. Right in solo on President's Day, Tim Murray in for the boys. It is Follow the Money here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. There's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with Call She. Maybe you have a thought on TikTok. Will Congress ban it? Or won't they? Will Taylor Swift's album be album of the year? What about Biden's approval rating? Or inflation? And a whole lot more. You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. $20 bonus if you go to callshe.com slash follow the money. Spelled K-A-L-S-H-I and deposit $50. There is no guarantee of performance and an investor could lose their entire investment, including fees iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at callshe.com. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is Follow the Money on VSEN. As basketball and hockey seasons continue. Bet Rivers online sportsbook is the place to be. Bet Rivers has you covered for every line, odd, and boost. Join us every week for new promotions like our Tuesday Hockey First Goal Insurance, Saturday Hockey Same Game Parlay Bet and Get, weekly Pro Basketball Bet and Get, and more. Check out BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app. It's a whole new game. Tim Murray in for the boys here on Follow the Money. It is... 
I was about to say it's Visa and Primetime, which is my normal show. But uh, no, it's uh, it's Follow the Money. That's their show. Mitch and Paul out this week. Uh, Tim Murray in for them. Uh, so we will be hanging out with you all week long. And, uh, you know, it's a busy time when it comes to uh, when it comes to you know college basketball and the NBA, NHL, all that. But it seems like the last three off seasons have just been nonstop for the Green Bay Packers. And our next guest is a man who has been covering the Packers for multiple decades. You can follow him on Twitter at Aaron Aaron Nagler on Twitter, co-founder of Cheesehead TV. Aaron. Just your typical quiet off-season up there in Packerland. Um, do you have any sources inside the darkness right now with Aaron Rodgers? Uh, I've tried, but uh, unfortunately, you know, as Aaron is very quick to point out, nobody has anybody in the inner circle when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. So I am in the dark as much as anybody, unfortunately. Uh, you know, Aaron, I, I guess the first thing I want to get to is just the contract situation and how it all plays out. Because everyone just says, well, he's going to be traded to the Raiders, or he's going to go to the Jets. Or for those who, uh, because I've looked at, you know, spot rack, and I've tried to figure it out. I'm just not smart enough. So contractually, what are the Packers on the hook for if, let's say, they traded him to the Raiders how can they get out of that? What does the contract situation look at it? Is it feasible to deal Aaron Rodgers? I mean, it's feasible, but it, it's going to be painful. I mean, the thing is, is it, uh, first of all, I'm going to let you know, you're not dumb. That contract in particular is absolutely crazy. Like, it is one of the most unique contracts you're ever going to kind of delve into in the NFL. So you're reading the particulars, the bonuses, and all the kind of, triggers in that contract it's hard to wrap your head around it but essentially yeah they can do it it's going to hurt but they can do it it's going to hurt even more the longer they wait which is what kind of feels like it's coalescing right now this offseason because if they don't trade them this offseason it becomes even worse next offseason or the offseason after that the thing is as Aaron you know very publicly said if he were to be traded he understands almost certainly whoever he'd be traded to, he'd work with that team on the contract to adjust it, to make it more palpable for whoever's getting him. The problem is, is there's nothing the Packers can do. Once he's traded, all of that bonus money that would have been prorated over the life of the deal becomes due instantly. The Packers will go from, if Rodgers is back on their team next year, they'll have roughly like $20 million worth of cap space, which isn't a ton, obviously, but enough to maneuver. If they trade Aaron Rodgers, they have rough, just over $10 million. Um, and that's, you know, needing to sign all your rookies and re-signing any guys you want to re-sign. And, you know, in the, today's NFL, $10 million is not going to get you very far. So it, they can do it. It's going to hurt. And what's really kind of tough, the situation they're in is, okay, so let's say you do trade Aaron Rodgers, and now you're turning the page and you're handing the keys to Jordan Love, and you're telling Jordan Love, oh, by the way, we really can't go and get you any help because we kept kicking the can trying to win a championship with Aaron Rodgers. So they're stuck in a tough spot because of the contract they gave Aaron last offseason. When I think a lot of people were thinking it was time to turn the page and they probably could have gotten a boatload of picks for him, maybe even a player or two. But all that has sailed after a poor season from Rodgers and this contract that they've given him. 
We're talking to Aaron Nagler, co-founder of Cheesehead TV, at Aaron Nagler on Twitter. A lot of Aaron's uh, to discuss because we got to get the Aaron Jones. So, so many Aaron's. Yeah, yeah. we got to get the Aaron Jones here uh, as well. But, you know, right now, here we sit, February 20th, um, you know, Rogers is in darkness. He'll come out and, you know, talk to Pat McAfee like he always does each and every right. week and give us yeah. some sort of gem. Um, but, <laughs> but, but, but what would your gut tell you right now? You know, I'll get to the fan base here in just a moment, but... You know, for people thinking about, all right, what are the Packers going to be like this year? There was that report that came out, you know, late Friday night saying that, you know, the front office wasn't happy with them. Um, what's your gut telling you right now, Aaron, from 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 the people that you've talked to, from from just your long time covering this team? Do you think Aaron Rodgers is ultimately dealt before the draft so they can, you know, get some draft compensation? Right. And what's even trickier now is that it, really behooves them to make him a June 1st designation if they traded him, but they're not going to be able to wait to June 1st because, like you said, people want to do it before the draft. I'm telling you, I have said this all season long. I said it immediately after the season ended, and I know there's been tons of smoke out there about a potential trade, but no, I still think he's back in Green Bay for one more year. I really do, and it feels so crazy to say that after all the stuff we've seen about the Raiders, about the Jets, and I know you know, there have been rumblings both, you know, in the press and, yeah, behind the scenes of people being kind of sick of the dance, you know. But I do think when you look at the season that they are coming off of, trying to transition away from Devontae Adams, really young receivers that he's trying to help break in, he breaks his thumb in week four, five, you know, and then he's playing with a broken thumb for half a season. I think most people would look at that season and say, okay, we, you know, it was a really tough transition. I think Aaron himself would probably want one more crack with Christian Watson and you know, Aaron Jones behind him and really get kind of a feel for this young team that there's a lot of potential there. You saw it in the win against the Vikings, the win against the Cowboys. They have the ability to put up points, you know, get a little bit more consistent on defense, and I think they could do something. But I do think, you know, that we're going to continue to hear all these kind of trade speculations, et cetera, until Aaron kind of makes a definitive decision. I'm still a... a the opinion that he's going to come back and play one more year, which of course would be tough for Jordan Love, who I expect if that were to happen, he would instantly demand a trade. And I think the Packers would tell him, like they told Aaron two years ago, nope, we've got you under control for two more years. You know, that's life in the NFL. We're the ones who drafted you. They are, you know, it's a tough business, uh, but I think they would hold on to Jordan for another year and make the transition next season. But I do think Aaron will be back for one more year. That is it sounds weird to say in this kind of current media environment we're in, but that's where I'm sitting right now. Well, and, and I don't think it's that crazy. We're talking to Aaron Nagler because of just the contract situation. And, and, you know, as you, as you laid it out, you know, if he stays, you got $20 million to work with, which isn't a ton, right. but if he yep. goes, you're kind of hamstrung and, and you're, you're up against it. And, yeah. and you're putting Aaron, you're putting Jordan love, like you alluded to in a really tough spot to make his, you know, start to his career. So I, yeah. I, you know, unless they're blown away by, by some sort of package. Yeah. I would, and I would. That, and that's the thing, right? I mean, it does take just one owner. Sure. Right. I mean, we, you, that's so funny to watch kind of online Packers fans kind of dreaming of these huge kind of deals. And I'm like, man, I'll, I'll be you know, not surprised, but I'll be happy if they get a one, like a straight up one. But, you know, people are talking about, oh, they could deal one and a potential, you know, Second, that turns into a first if Rodgers plays more than one year, et cetera. And all it takes is one owner. All it takes is a Woody Johnson going, <laughs> yes, I'm going to put butts in the seats. I want Aaron Rodgers and our green. You know, it, like that could happen. 
I mean, crazier stuff has happened in the NFL. Oh. So I wouldn't completely write it off. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, Woody Johnson is not even hiding, right? He's like, I want a quarterback. I mean, <laughs> he, he wants, exactly. He, he went out and spent the second overall pick on Zach Wilson two years ago, and he's already saying we need a quarterback here. So, you know, we'll see how it all plays yeah, out. Yeah. Um, Real quickly, before I let you run, Aaron, another Aaron, Aaron Jones, um, what it, his deal, I know you wrote about it on your website, uh, his deal, he, he re-ups, he's, he kind of maneuvers things. So uh, for folks who didn't catch it, what does the Aaron Jones uh, deal kind of mean this year and long-term for the Packers? Well, it's really great when it comes to the cap because, you know, he took a salary, kind of a shave on a salary, gave back $5 million in, in salary. They converted most of that back into a bonus. But the, the cap maneuvering, you know, he was set to be about $20 million against their cap, which was never going to happen at the running back position. But now he's counting somewhere around a little over eight. So that's a huge savings. And look, he is the straw that stirs the drink on offense in Green Bay. Uh, I think a lot of Packers fans wish he'd get the ball more, but there's zero doubt when he's on the field, he makes a huge difference both in the running game and out of the backfield catching the football. He is just production waiting to happen. Uh, the man, he averages 5.1 yards per carry. And it's just crazy that they don't give him the ball a little bit more than they do. But, yes, uh, this, is, this is a major win to the Packers, especially we're just talking about if they do end up transitioning to Jordan Love, having Aaron Jones as your kind of security blanket, you could do a lot worse as a young starting quarterback. So it, it's a huge win for the Packers. There's no doubt. You could follow him on Twitter at Aaron Nagler Cheesehead TV. Aaron, great stuff. We appreciate it. Uh, you know, just just keep things quiet. It's a, it's a boring off season yeah. up there in Packerland. Man, one of these years, I'm going to have an off season where I don't have to deal with all the drama. I, I'm I'm anxiously awaiting for that year. Well, it ain't going to be this year. But we appreciate nope. it. Great stuff there from Aaron Nagler. We transition from the Packers. To the Commanders, another team that's offseason is never quiet. Ben Standing covers the Washington Commanders. He'll give us the latest on why did Eric Bieniemy decide to hitch his wagon to this franchise? Come on back. It's Follow the Money. This is Follow the Money on VSEN. As basketball and hockey seasons continue, Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is the place to be. Bet Rivers has you covered for every line, odd, and boost. Join us every week for new promotions like our Tuesday Hockey First Goal Insurance, Saturday Hockey Same Game, Parlay Bet and Get, Weekly Pro Basketball Bet and Get, and more. Check out BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app. It's a whole new ball game. Tim Murray sitting in for the boys here on Follow the Money. Mitch and Paul out. This week, they'll be back next week. I'll be with you all week long, likely with a co-host. But you know what he said? It's a three-day weekend. Let's have a little fun. Let's ride solo. Let's spread our wings. We'll talk to Seth Greenberg, talk some college basketball coming up. Top of the hour. Who does he think is the best team in all of college basketball? But when in doubt, you call in your friends. And uh, there's a no better guy, no harder working man in the business than Ben Standig, who covers the Washington Commanders and the NFL for The Athletic. And he joins us right now on the program. Ben, always a pleasure. I got a lot to get to, but first and foremost, uh, in your uh, in your early days, you got to cover Georgetown Hoops. It was, it was a funny weekend to see all these people that you and I know, you know, claiming ownership of Mac McClung. I knew him when he was this guy at this high school. So uh, pretty, uh, pretty... 
I, I don't know if you had uh, were able to get down, but uh, Mac McClung did something that we were uh, all aware of he was capable of doing when, you know, back in the days when he was a, what, like a three-star recruit coming out of a small town in Virginia. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, when when it became known that uh, I don't remember if he was already committed to Georgetown or or, or we just knew he was in the mix because he he had committed to Rutgers and then transferred. Um, but yeah, you, you, you get you catch wind of the YouTube uh, mixtapes and you know you can kind of roll your eyes at some of this stuff. But then you start watching it, you're like, oh my lord, how <laughs> what, what kind of vertical leap does this guy have? Um, and then it just kept going. He obviously does come to Georgetown. I was there for it when, you know, covering him when he was here. And, uh, you know, it was a true highlight. I mean, look, look, guys dunk all the time, but it was a legitimate moment every time he was given the opportunity to sort of be you know, in open space and, and make a play. And he never disappointed. And, um, and then just to keep, but, but you're like, okay, well, what does this mean beyond college basketball? You know, can he make the NBA? And, you know, it, it, it you know, six foot, Guy. I mean, you know, his shot's not bad, but it's not great. You're like, I, I don't know. But the one thing that always struck me with him beyond the dunking was he had this relentless energy, sort of Westbrookish. I, I mean, I'm not comparing it to Westbrook because that's the ultimate bar for that. But, like, it was that type of deal. He just never stopped. And if you can feel like he never stopped. I, I mean, honestly, I don't know about for you, but, like, the most impressive part of the dunks, the dunks themselves were just beautiful i mean they were just great he didn't miss all he didn't miss yes that to me is so i mean to, to, to do that high degree of difficulty and not miss shows how much time he's put into this and like that that says something to me he took it seriously he takes it seriously and uh yeah i was so wildly impressed for him and just like you're right so to remember first time seeing him as this you know random high school dude from you know, rural Virginia, you're like, what? What's going on here? Yeah, it was uh, it was fun to watch for sure. And I'll be honest, uh, as I already said, I wasn't watching it live because I may or may not have had some money on BYU and needed him to keep it within 10 against uh, St. Mary's, which they did. So good job, Cougars. All right, Ben Standing joining us. Uh, athletic commanders reporters covered Washington sports for a long, long time. I- I'm going to keep it simple on this question. Why would Eric Bieniemy explain to our listeners why would Eric Bieniemy want to hitch his wagon to this organization? Yeah, well, I guess my take from the beginning, from the commander's perspective, in terms of his OC search, once they fired Scott Turner last month, is when you consider that the owner may be selling the team, that under this owner, they've been one of the most, one of us, not the most chaotic franchise for a long time now that because of all that dynamic, the head coach with three consecutive non-winning seasons could be facing a winner or else kind of a year. And the quarterback isn't a dynamic one. It's a guy, it's basically a rookie in Sam Howell. who was a fifth round pick last year, has some promise, but has only one start for somebody to consider that right all the way around is going to have to be somebody with no options. Uh, Nobody with options is really, or like you're just, you know, you're on the come, you're on the rise, you know, somebody who just doesn't have a ton of experience. Okay, let me look. That's what you had to look at. And then you look at the enemy and you think, well, what are you talking about? He clearly has options. Eh, I I I don't know that he did, to be honest. I mean, he wasn't getting the head coaching job, as we know, you know, roughly 16 interviews with 15 teams 
over the past few years, including one this year with the Colts, no, 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 no offers. Um, people keep thinking he left Kansas city for this. Well, he didn't really, his contract ended after the year. And if you really parse through Andy Reid's comments throughout Super Bowl week. And since then, I'm not saying Andy Reid was saying we don't want, we wouldn't take him back, but he wasn't saying we don't want to, we, we, we don't, we're going to keep him no matter what. He was really trying to help Eric Bannery get something, even this, even a situation where he gets to run an offense, uh, his offense without you know, an Andy Reid type person above him. Um, that perhaps is the barrier for some of the teams that were interviewing him previously. I don't know if that's really the case, but okay, maybe it is. So ultimately this was the one team left that was offering him that opportunity. And I, he decided to, you know, and I give him credit for this. He decided to, to, to roll that dice and, and take it, but it, it's not like he really had six teams to choose from, for whatever the opportunity was. This was kind of it, or I guess he goes back to Kansas city, but Again, we'll see. I don't even know if that was completely an option because they wanted. I think they want to promote Matt Nagy from the quarterback coach back to his old OC job. So, I, I, you know, it's going to be really interesting. But I don't. I don't think the enemy has as many options as people think he does. We're talking to Ben Stanley, who covers the Washington Commanders for the Athletic, also the NFL as well. Check out his podcast, Standing Room Only. How good can this offense be, Ben? Because, you know, last offseason, you know, I remember hearing, you know, you and, and other people that that I know in the D.C. area not saying, yes, this this offense can be good, but not only that, the people inside that building really were high on that offense, which might ultimately have led to the ousting of Scott Turner. Obviously, you know, Carson Wentz was a disaster, but when you look at, okay, Biennemi walks in, he's got... Outside of the quarterback, which is certainly a question, really talented wide receivers, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, a first-round pick from last year, some other pieces, Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas there at the tight end position, some solid running backs that are all under contract. I mean, there's a lot to work with here for Eric Bieniemy. The quarterback is the, is the big concern here. Is it Sam Howell? Is it going to be someone else in free agency? But, you know, in your eyes and from the people that you've talked to around the organization, how good can this offense be heading into 2023. Yeah, I mean, they definitely have the, the skilled playmakers. I mean, if Juju Smith-Schuster was the best receiver for Kansas City, um, I don't think he cracks the top three in Washington with Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dodson, and Curtis Samuel. Um, I mean, he's good, but I'm saying these guys are, are, are pretty good. McLaurin is, you know, developed into one of the best receivers in the league. Dodson was pretty dynamic as a rookie um, and led the team in touchdowns. So uh, th- there's that. Then at running back, you've got this, you know, what looks like a really nice one-two punch with Brian Robinson bringing you the sort of that early down power back type, and then Antonio Gibson can uh, break plays on the perimeter. Right there, I mean, that's five players that can make moves, and that's a you know big improvement from when Ron Rivera took over the team, and uh, something you can absolutely work with. I think they've got questions at tight end. Their offensive line is a bit of a mess and they recognize that and know that they need to upgrade that. So we'll see how that goes. And that goes a long way as we know towards any offense. And then there's the Sam Howell component. Yeah, Sam Howell has a lot of the tools that you want in this modern era, big arm, and he can really, he's got legit mobility and he's willing to run. He, he also was a fifth round pick last year and he has one career start. <laughs> so, you know, 
we'll see where that where that goes. I think that's going to be the, the key. I mean, if we assume that they, you know, spend two high picks on the offensive line and maybe out of that, you know, you'd like to think they can get back to sort of middle of the pack kind of deal. At least that's the hope. The quarterback, though, we'll see what Hal can do, and that's going to be a big test for Bianami to, um, you know, to, to, to show his coaching chops by, by helping Sam Hal navigate um, what may be the starting gig that they're, they're going to add a vet, but I, you know, I, I don't know that they're going to add, they're not adding a Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers. It's going to be sort of Andy Dalton or below in terms of like what you're looking at from a quarterback. So not going to be a great room, no matter what on the surface, but um, if, if they can get how to get going, I mean, it, it could, it could get interesting. Eric Bieniemy leading the charge there for the offense of the Washington commanders, Ben Standig, you're the man. Appreciate it, brother. Tim, for any time for you, man. Thanks. See there he is. Ben Standing covers the Washington Commanders for the Athletic. Top of the hour, Seth Greenberg. A pretty interesting weekend. How about Kansas? Quite the performance at Fog Allen. There's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with Call She. Maybe you have a thought on TikTok. Will Congress ban it or won't they? Will Taylor Swift's album be album of the year? What about Biden's approval rating or inflation? And a whole lot more. You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. $20 bonus if you go to callshe.com slash follow the money spelled K-A-L-S-H-I and deposit $50. There is no guarantee of performance and an investor could lose their entire investment, including fees iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at callshe.com. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. That's what I always say. You always follow yeah, the money. Yeah. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on VSIN. Hour three of Follow the Money. Good morning. Tim Murray sitting in for the boys this morning. Mitch and Paul on vacation. I'll be with you all week here on Follow the Money. I'll be joined by, uh, joined by I think, my colleague Sean King later on in the week. But... We roll through on a President's Day Monday and uh, fired up for tonight's showdown in Fort Worth. TCU hosting Kansas. We're right now, TCU is a two-point favorite. And to, uh, to break it down and to tell us what everything is going on this year in college basketball, we bring on ESPN analyst, longtime Division I men's basketball coach at Long Beach State, South Florida, and Virginia Tech, Seth Greenberg. Coach, I want to start with tonight, and then we'll kind of move backwards because this game, TCU and Kansas, there's, 
I don't want to say there's so much on the line because both these teams are, are secure and Kansas has 13 quad one wins. But, you know, for TCU, coach, it felt like Jamie Dixon's squad was starting to fall, you know, uh, out of favor. Then Mike Miles comes back. They drop 100 on Oklahoma State. So what are you anticipating tonight in Fort Worth? And what is, remember, a revenge game because TCU went to Fog Allen and did the unthinkable. They won by 20 at Fog Allen. Yeah, this will be interesting. Mike Miles totally changes the dynamic of this TCU team. They play at warp speed with him on the floor. The ability to play ahead of the defense, the ability to be disruptive defensively. Uh, he's kind of like the engine that makes this team go. So, you know, you talk about the four losses that TCU had. You know what? Without Mike Miles, you can't evaluate them. On the other hand, you're talking about a Kansas team that, you know, the first time these guys played, they had 17 turnovers. Dewan Harris did not score a field goal. And it's been well-documented. We talk about it every single time. When Dwan Harris struggles, Kansas struggles. Uh, he doesn't have to score a ton, but he's got to put pressure on the defense. We saw that this weekend in the Baylor game. He doesn't score in the first half. In the second half, he does a great job defensively, and he's a little bit more aggressive. Just by being more aggressive, it opens up the floor for Grady Dick. It opens up the floor for Jalen Wilson. It opens up the floor for Kevin McCullough. It opens up the floor for K.J. Adams. So I think first and foremost, take care of the basketball, Kansas. Number two, obviously, you've got to contain the speed and the quickness uh, and the explosiveness that Mikey Miles brings to this TCU team. When you look at Kansas, they win the national championship last year. Their ability to to claw back into games is really impressive. It started in the national championship game, right? They're down double digits, the UNC. They ultimately pulled that one out. And then you think back to Saturday. They're down in that first half. And, and like you alluded, Dewan Harris held scoreless. And then they just go off in the second half, 55-26 to 26 domination. So let's start with Kansas. You know, are they right now, Coach, the best team in the country, in your opinion? I think Alabama is still the best team in the country. Uh, they're, I call them Noah's Ark. They're, they get to everything. They got four post guys, actually. They got two point guards. They got two wings. You know, Ryan Griffin is, is emerged as another guy that they can put in a game. I think Brandon Miller is an absolute problem. Uh, he reminds me a little bit of Paul George, a little bit of Kevin Durant. So I, I think that Kansas is in the conversation. Because of what they did the other day. Remember, they did that against Miami to go to the, to yep. the final four, the comeback. And obviously, they had the great comeback against North Carolina and then the comeback. And that's, that's a credit to Bill Self, his ability to connect with his guys, make adjustments, uh, get their guy, his guys to get to the next play, not try to get all 14 or 13 points back in one play, but get a stop, have a good offensive possession. And they own the first four minutes of the second half. They flipped that game against Baylor in four minutes by just being more assertive defensively, not switching one through five, hard hedging on, on the one, five, two, five, and three, five ball screen. So they kept McCuller connected to Keontae George. They kept obviously uh, Dewan Harris connected to, uh, to Flagler, which really changed the game. And then they were more aggressive offensively. I thought Jalen Wilson defended himself some in the first half, missed a couple shots, got down on himself, stood around, didn't cut hard. Uh, Bill Self has a way to, to push the right button, and that's why you know he's had success he's had. He's a Hall of Fame coach. When you look at Baylor, this is a team that I want to believe in and I want to believe that can make a run. And I think there are plenty of teams that can make a run. But does it worry you, coach, as we're talking to Seth Greenberg, 
college basketball analyst for ESPN. When you look at the advanced numbers, they're, they were number one, now they're number two in adjusted offensive efficiency, but they're 85th in defense. Does the defense for Scott Drew's team, is that your drawback uh, of them potentially making a six-game run in March, or do you think that the, the Bears could do it? I think the Bears could do it because Jonathan Chachwa is back, and if he mm-hmm. can play 20, 25 minutes a game, his ability to defend ball screens, his ability, to, especially in transition, he's unbelievable how he gets up on those ball screens and helps. Uh, he gives him 20 more minutes. He makes Flo Thamba more effective because he, he's not asked to do as much. Um, he's got a toughness, and I, I said this in our game day show this week. He also gives that team someone to look to as a leader. And what I mean by that is they got great leaders in Flagler, they got great leaders in Cryer, and, and County George is bought in. But the adversity that Jonathan uh, Chama JTT has gone through it's got to be an inspiration to anyone around him. So when you hit, face adversity, which you're going to face in the NCAA tournament, you're going to face it after you give up a huge lead to Kansas. You have a guy in that locker room. You have a guy beside you that has persevered a horrific, horrific injury and fought through it to get back and be with his team. And I think in a lot of ways that's going to be inspiration, but defensively he really impacts the game. I mean, he really is a terrific ball screen defender. He gets up and out. He can contain. He can switch. Uh, the one thing I say is, and, and this sounds crazy, the Big 12 is the best conference in college basketball. I think there's seven teams in the top 60 in, in defensive efficiency. There's six teams that, that think about this is crazy, force between 19.195 and 20% of their possessions defensively force a turnover, uh, which results in this between 16 and 21 points. Here's my concern for the Big 12 just as a whole. It's so aggressive. Mm-hmm. It's so physical. It's so tough. They keep you on one side of the floor. They trap the box. They bang every cutter. In the NCAA tournament, that's not flying. It's not flying because in the NCAA tournament, those officials, especially the first two weekends, they want to advance. And to advance, they've got to call physical play. Now, come to Final Four, I think they loosen it up like guys play. But in those first two rounds, the, the physicality of the defense that's played in the Big 12, I'm really interested to watch if that's going to have an impact on how many teams in that conference advance in the NCAA tournament. Because they redefine a foul. They foul every play that league. It's crazy. It reminds me of when I was coaching Long Beach State, UNLV. Coach Tark's teams were so physical, played so hard, were up and into you, that you know they basically redefined a foul. And I'm interested to see the Big 12, who I love. I love the conference. Absolutely love it. Great atmosphere, great energy, great passion, great ownership, terrific coaching. But it's physical, and it'll be interesting to see how it is officiated. That's a fascinating way to look at it, especially you know people trying to look into uh, who's going to make that run uh, as we're talking to Seth Greenberg, college basketball analyst for ESPN, longtime Division I men's basketball coach, Long Beach State, South Florida, and Virginia Tech. Um, you mentioned leadership and and physicality, so that that immediately brought me to Houston. You know that is a team with some grown men. Um, it almost feels like coach they're they're falling uh, into a little bit of the Gonzaga syndrome for for years and years, which was you play this really tough non-con, you're high above the rankings, and then you fall into a conference. It's not their fault that the AAC is down, and they had a a little bit of a test yesterday against a, a talented Memphis team, bringing back some pieces, but. Houston, it feels like a little bit out of sight, out of mind. Um, I guess let's start pros and cons. Why can they make a run and win a national championship, coach? And then secondly, 
why, what would be their downfall in your opinion? Well, they could make a run because they remind me a little bit of Villanova in terms of their culture and their identity. I mean, their culture is so strong. Their identity is so rich. Look, they're an elite, I don't care who they're playing against. They're an elite defensive team. They're a physical defensive team. They're an elite rebounding team. They're a physical rebounding team. They have experienced backcourt. Uh, maybe as good a backcourt as in the country. Uh, you know, you look at Baylor, you look at Houston. You know, to me, you look at NC State as some of the premier backcourts in the country. Uh, they don't play the fastest pace, but they turn you over. They get to the offensive glass. So those are all reasons why. Now, look, their metrics offensively are good. But if you dig a little deeper and watch them, all right, they, you know, they rely on those guards to make plays. And they rely on their ability to rebound a missed shot. Sometimes a missed shot is their best offense. Sometimes a turnover is their best offense. If you don't turn it over, you get to, you know, to a game that goes to the lead eight, you're probably playing against the team you're not punking. You're not turning over. That can rebound the ball. They haven't gotten there because they weren't physical. They weren't tough. They weren't disciplined. They didn't take care of the ball. They didn't rebound the ball. So if you look at it, if you take points versus turnovers, right, they force turnovers, 22% of their possessions, and you take away points on second chance, the offensive rebound, this is a staggering number, 37% of their misses. You take those away and just put them in, in, in a normal metric. Can they score in the half court? And look, Sasser can break you down, but you know they're not all, they're not out tricking you in the half court now. You know, they're going to play a little free out. They're going to play some ball screens. They're going to you know run a little triangle action. Uh, you know they're they're all right. They're all right. I mean, Trayvon Mark can make a shot, and Jamal Shedd can get to the rim. And I you know I love Marcus Sasser. Their backcourt does remind me a little bit of Baylor's backcourt uh, that won the national championship. But I'm not sure that they have the consistency of maybe varied ways to score. And, uh, you know, Jairus Walker is going to be a terrific, terrific player, but he doesn't show up every night. Yeah. You know, he just doesn't. You know, he's talented as could be. He should give them an inside scoring. So I think it's going to be fascinating to watch that. Fascinating to watch. In less than three weeks, we'll have a bracket in our hands. Seth, we appreciate the insight. Love your work on ESPN. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Anytime. There he is. Coach Greenberg, Seth Greenberg, college basketball analyst from ESPN. Do I have a play in pocket tonight? We'll tell you that next right here on Follow the Money. This is Follow the Money on VSEN. If you're looking for a betting edge on the NHL, NBA, or college basketball, the VSIN experts have got you covered. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber with an introductory offer for only $9.99. VSIN Pro subscribers get access to our Bailey Daily, not Bailey, recap of top plays made by VSIN show hosts and guests. Tools like our betting splits, deep dive betting reports, VSIN betting guides for the biggest games of the season where our experts break down brackets, best bets, and daily props. Don't miss out. On this limited time offer, visit vcin.com slash subscribe today to sign up for only $9.99. That's vsin.com slash subscribe. Wrapping things up here on Follow the Money, filling in for Mitch and Paul all week long. Won't be solo, from what I understand, the rest of the week, but holding it down today and uh, appreciate our next guest coming on, the man, the myth, the legend, John Von Tobel, Jonathan Von Tobel, at me, JVT, our senior NBA analyst here on 
VSIN. And uh, I, I've left us nine and a half minutes for us to just, you know, rip into the All Star game. You know, I remember when they used to slap the floor like Steve Wojciechowski, palms right. up and play some D. De- Who cares, man? Like, really? We're getting worked up about this. Um, but the only thing I said, because I did not bet anything on the All Star game, I believe it's now 11 of the last 14 JVT have gone over. And uh, I'd be curious to see what they set the total at next year because we had uh, a total of 323 and a half, and you were really never in doubt of hitting that over. No, I got good closing line value at 324 and a half uh, and went under. It still didn't really matter. No. <laughs> uh, I, th- I throw like a <clears throat> I throw a small bet on the under just to have some fun during the all-star break just to sweat like, you know, the um, the um, the other side. But no, if you look, there's a couple of things. First off, if you don't know what you're getting into at this point when you tune into the NBA All-Star game, that's on you because this has been like this for quite a while. Outside of like, I think like two years ago, Nick Nurse was the coach and like he was throwing out like boxing ones on defense for like fun out of nowhere. Um, But unless you like, you know what you're doing. And to your point, these guys don't really care. You have guys coming afterwards saying, you know, Michael Malone called it the worst basketball game he's ever been a part of. And, you know, John Morant and others or, or Anthony Edwards were asking guys to play hard. It was like, who cares? Like, you guys are going to go out there, have fun, showcase your athletic abilities, and get out. And to your point, these games are only going to get higher scoring until they switch things up or do whatever, shorten it up maybe, right? They make the game a little bit shorter. Uh, But I think we know what we're getting into at this point right now. So here we stand now. First half of the season was long gone, but this is kind of that official halfway part, right? So I think the question, and I remember, and I brought this up earlier in the show, you were on VEASAN primetime with me, and we were talking about you know preseason bets, right? And the odds, I think at BetMGM, I can't remember specific. I think it was like plus 175 for the Lakers to miss the playoffs. Oh, it was, it was over $2. Over $2. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So my question to you, JVT, so you have that in pocket, and now you can get them to make the playoffs at plus $2. So you could, in theory, lock in a profit, but you would be eating away at some of yours. So... From where you look, how you look at it now, where the Lakers are, I think, two games out of the last play-in spot, and then obviously they have to play themselves into the eight-man, eight-team field. Do you think this Lakers team makes a run? And I'm not saying to win a title, just to make the field of eight. Would you look at plus two dollars for this Lakers team? Because LeBron, I guess, yesterday or Saturday said these are, you know. The most important regular season games, or you know, whatever, however, however yeah. he phrased it, of his career. What are you expecting from the Lakers down the stretch here, with the moves that they've made and and where they sit? Yeah, what year was it that he went to zero dark thirty mode? Remember that <laughs> he had that. Uh, I think they went to the finals that year. I could be wrong, so maybe this means something. Um, no, look. So after the trade deadline, when Kelly and I did the Harvard Handicappers podcast, we came out of that thing with two bets. It was looking at the Warriors to win the Western Conference, and it was looking at the Lakers to make the playoffs. Uh, you are not investing in them, to your point, Tim to win the NBA Finals, uh, to win the Western Conference. But realistically, like given the new look of this team, right, and how much better it fits, you know, with some more space, with more with some more shooting, to use the term, to use the stat, I think it was StatMuse who had this. Before the trade deadline, they had two guys that shot better than 36% from three. Now they have six, right? Like they did a really good job of adding shooting to this roster. I think it would make sense that they have the, the team that is constructed to make it into the top eight. To your point, you got to do it through the play-in. And I think that's where you get a little risky, right? Because think about this, Tim. The West play-in could be Dallas, Golden State, the Lakers, and the Pelicans in whatever particular order <laughs> if it falls if it falls that way, right? Yeah. And, and we're talking about a fully healthy New Orleans Pelicans and a fully healthy Golden State Warriors, one would assume, if they can't dig their way out. And Dallas is only a half game out 
of the play in, and they're not playing any defense with Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving out there. So it could be a like a loaded play in tournament if it falls the right way for the Los Angeles Lakers. So you'd be in a tough spot because they'd be the lowest rated team uh, in that thing. Now, having said that, there's also a scenario when in which it's like them, the Thunder, the Timberwolves, and maybe like the Golden State Warriors, right? That maybe one of these teams digs their way out and you'll be perfectly fine. But regardless, I would say to your overall point, if you're talking about two to one or maybe even better uh, for this team to make the playoffs, I would say that that is worth it because I do think they have enough in them to make a play in and to win a one-off game or two against any of the competition that would be in front of them. We're talking to Jonathan Von Tobel, our senior NBA analyst at MeJVT. Uh, he'll be off for a couple days because the NBA is off for a couple days, so he deserves a, a break with them as well. But just kind of looking at some big picture uh, type of things. You know, I, I'm curious. I know the team that I want to say either you or Kelly were very high on last year was the Heat. Um, here they stand at, at the seven seed. And the reason I bring them up, you know, not that Kevin Love is putting them over the top, but reportedly Kevin Love is going to head there uh, after he got bought out by, by Cleveland. You know, who could be in that Eastern Conference, which is pretty darn loaded, right, with Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, uh, with Cleveland. You know, who's a team a little bit further down that could, you know, make a run, could be just kind of a pain in the you-know-what in the second round for one of those higher seeds? I mean, if you're talking about pain in the butt, like a team that's still going to lose that series, but maybe like push it to six, yeah. I guess you're, go you're going to like Miami, right? I think that's the obvious one. Miami is a, a very good team in terms of, I, I put it this way, they drag teams down to their level, right, to make them fight there. And that's exactly what Miami does. They'll slow you down. They play really good defense. They're a skilled team getting to the free throw line led by Jimmy Butler, like they do all the little things correctly, but they're not like an overtly skilled team. And the problem is... um. To make it to the second round, you got to win in the first round. And where they're currently seated, they're either looking at a uh, series, if they make it out of the play-in, with Milwaukee or Boston right off the top. Ooh. And I just don't know if that's really going to happen. So I think they're obviously trying to make a push here for potentially five or three, or excuse me, for six, because right now they're, what, two and a half games out of the five seed. Maybe Brooklyn continues to fall a little bit because Brooklyn's currently the five, but I think Brooklyn's constructed enough to kind of keep watering by the time we get to the, play the playoffs to maybe stay in that five seed. But regardless, Tim, like I just this Miami team is so limited and even getting Kevin Love, like I was really surprised that they were as quiet as they were at the trade deadline, given all the struggles they have on offense. And look at the opponents that they'll face. Boston, Milwaukee, Philly and Cleveland are all top 10 defenses. So it's not like that offense is getting any better anytime soon if they were to face any one of those four teams, either in the first round or the second round. So to your overall question, the best candidate would be Miami because we have a long and storied history of that team just being very well coached. But in terms of the actual limitations of the roster they currently have, I find it hard to see them really making it past the first round. JVT, we saw the straw poll come out earlier this, the or I guess last week, right? The Tim Bontemps straw poll regarding the MVP market. 77 of the 100 voters uh, voted for Nikola Jokic. He's averaging a, a triple-double right now. It, it seems, based off of the information there, that he's going to win for a third consecutive year. When you look at the MVP market right now, based off of the information we just garnered from the straw poll, is there any bet to be made in your opinion? Oh, 100%. It's Giannis Antetokounmpo. Mm. And I know that I know that sounds weird, right, because of the straw poll, but if you actually look at it, Giannis climbed his way up the straw poll from the first time around. So he's been actually getting a little bit more support. And the other thing, too, is this is a team that's now won, I think they won, won 13 games going into the break, Yeah, uh, maybe 12 straight. Um, and Giannis has been a really big part of that, Tim. Giannis is also being uh, bantied about as a dark horse defensive player of the year candidate. He is starting to gain some traction. 
And so I think we're going to get one more straw poll. I could be wrong because there was a year that he released uh, three. But regardless, there's a couple of reasons why I immediately go to Giannis. First off, it's the pricing of the market. The market adjusts on Nikola Jokic up to minus 250. And yet Giannis is still the third choice at like eight to one or something like that behind Joel Embiid. That's, I think, an incorrect pricing. I think he should be ahead of Joel Embiid. And I think he's closing the gap, regardless of the fools, the three of them, who left Giannis off their ballot entirely. Um, (laughs) That was ridiculous. How is that possible? I I have no idea. But he's starting to climb his way up here. And I think that poll told us that while Jokic is the prohibitive favorite, Giannis is, surprisingly enough, closing the gap. And I think that given the price that we have in the market, it's worth betting on on Giannis Antetokounmpo to win MVP. Do you think the Bucs ultimately take that one seed from, from Boston? I, I think so, man. I, I think I think Milwaukee is power rated just as high as Boston. I, I think yeah. the market is really sleeping on this team. I, I thought it was foolish that the Suns bullied their way past them on the odds board. People better watch out for Milwaukee, especially with Jay Crowder. Their small ball lineups are going to be great. This team's really, really good. At me, JVT, is where you can follow him on Twitter. Catch him all over the network. And uh, enjoy your vacay, man. Thanks. Going to Super Mario Land on Thursday. Wish me luck. That sounds terrible. But- <laughs> <laughs> there he is, Jonathan Von Tobel, uh, spoken like a, a man who has a youngster like he does as well. Good luck. I'll just say Godspeed. Gil is coming up next. I am Tim Murray. Thanks to everyone who joined the show. This has been Follow the Money on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. There's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with Call She. Maybe you have a thought on TikTok. Will Congress ban it or won't they? Will Taylor Swift's album be album of the year? What about Biden's approval rating or inflation? And a whole lot more. You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. $20 bonus if you go to callshe.com slash follow the money spelled K-A-L-S-H-I and deposit $50. There is no guarantee of performance and an investor could lose their entire investment, including fees iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at callshe.com. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.